Well, good morning. How y'all doing today? Anybody ready for a break from work and school this week? Yeah, that's going to be great, isn't it? That's going to be a good time. Hey, before we jump into what we're talking about, just a couple things. One is um, tonight, this evening at 6 o'clock, we've been talking about this for three or four weeks, but just to remind you again, uh, it's happening today, 6, six o'clock this evening at SSI, which is uh, Sports Fund Industrial. That's located right off of Wade Hampton Boulevard. If you need to get directions for that, you can ask me or several people here after the service. But we're going to do baptism tonight, and I just want to kind of give you an update of, of what's going to happen, because uh, I really, uh, we say this all the time, so I'm not going to beat, beat it over your head this morning, but just remind you again, you need to be there if you, if you care about what's going on here uh, at Freedom uh, week in and week out. But just to let you know, um, we've got uh, about, we're, it's, this number's still a little bit in flux, so we're not certain, but about 14 people who are going to be baptized tonight. Now, yeah, that's awesome. Now, check this out. That combined with the folks that we baptized this summer, um, it will end up being about 37 or 38 people that we'll baptize in 2010. The most that this, yeah. The most that this church, the most we've ever baptized in one year before this was 24. So God's doing some good stuff. Uh, you know, people are, 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 are accepting Christ and, and, uh, and wanting to follow Him in baptism. So I want you to be there tonight to celebrate that with us. Uh, it starts at 6 and, uh, and, and show up. Even if you don't know any of the people being baptized, be there to celebrate that with them, to let them know that you're supporting them and, and that you're excited about what God's doing here at Freedom Fellowship each and every week. Other thing that I want you to know about, just so that you can be praying, um, our, uh, our teenagers, uh, Blake Comer is our youth pastor, and he and his wife, Laura Beth, and some great youth workers have taken a group of teenagers. They're down at the beach at Garden City Chapel uh, doing a fall retreat this week, this weekend, with a, doing that with another church, and they've been down there since Friday afternoon, and I just want you to know that, that that's where they are today. Be praying for them as they finish up their last session today and going to be traveling back this afternoon and meet us at baptism tonight. So just want you to know about that. Well, um, that song, well, the second song, I think it was the second song we sang, this called, it's called Desert Song is the name of it. And at first when I saw it on the list, I thought it was, you know, on the first part of the journey. I thought it was that desert song, but uh, that's not it. But there was a, there's a line in that song that, was, that I loved where it just said, God is here. And it says that in there. And I hope, I hope that you believe that today. I hope that when you showed up here, that, that you understand that, that, that God is here, He's in this place. Of course, He was in the place you left today, too. Even if the home you left was a wreck and people were shouting at each other, guess what? God was there, too, because God's everywhere. But I hope that, that we can have some type of understanding of the fact that God is here, God is in this place, that He's present here today. So as we sing, as we listen, and and uh, participate in all today, just be aware of that, that God is here, and that He's got something that He wants to say to each one of us. He's got something He wants to say to me, and, and to you, and to your heart. So, so I hope, uh, hope you've come today ready to, ready to hear some of that stuff. Well, we're going we're gonna to continue with what we started talking about last week, and, and really this is kind of a, uh, I told you last week, it's almost like it's one message, but, but it was too long to, to do in one Sunday morning, so we divided it up into two. And last week we talked about what, what it means to be ungrateful and what ungratefulness looks like. And I told you if you were here last week, I said, please come back next week because I want you to hear the good side of it. I want you to hear about what it means to be grateful. 
and what gratefulness looks like. And so we're going to talk about that today, about what it means to be grateful. And if you weren't here last week, um, I would encourage you to go to our website and you can listen to any of the messages for the last several months, but you can listen to what's, what happened last week. And, uh, and if you ever miss a Sunday, uh, those messages are up on the website usually by Tuesday afternoon after Sunday. You can get on there and check that out and, and find out what you missed out on the Sunday before and, and, uh, and you can catch up. But last week we talked about what it meant to be ungrateful and we talked about how ungratefulness comes from selfishness and and you know that that if, if you're honest with yourself as a human being you would admit that ungratefulness comes more naturally to you than gratefulness does it, it does for me I mean really if we're honest about it it's easier for us to be ungrateful than it is to be grateful and the reason why that is, and we talk about this here a lot, but just to remind you, the reason why that is, is because we come into this world damaged goods. We're, we are born into a sinful world, and, and as we were born into this sinful world, we have this sinful nature with us that's been passed down to us all the way from Adam and Eve, and it got passed all the way down to us. And, and the example we always use, but you know it's true, you don't have to teach a little kid to be selfish, you have to teach a little kid to share, right? So we come into the world thinking that it's all ours and we should get as much as we want, but, but that we've got to learn about what it means and allow Christ to change us to not be selfish creatures, but to learn to be creatures that share and to, and to allow Him to change us. So, so ungratefulness comes naturally to us. It's kind of like our default setting. It's kind of like weeds uh, in, in your yard. Now, if you've got a, a yard and you've got a lawn or, or any kind of flower bed, what, what happens to that if you leave it unattended? You just don't do anything to it. It's going to end up being full of stuff you don't want, right? In fact, there's places in my yard that if I leave it unattended, nasty stuff like poison ivy grows up in it. And, and it just really it messes things up. And, and that's what happens if we leave it unattended. If we leave our hearts unattended, the same thing happens. Now, how many of you have ever walked out of your house, walked into to your, to your yard, and you've seen a beautiful like rose garden like this uh, just growing out there, and you didn't do anything, it just sprang up overnight? Does that happen? No. I mean, look, look at this. This took a lot of work for somebody to make this happen. And, and, and so if you're going to have a rose garden, it's going to take work. It's going to take, you've got to cultivate the soil, and you've got to fertilize, and you've got to prune, and you've got to water, and you've got to plant the right plants in there, all that kind of stuff. This kind of thing doesn't grow up in your yard naturally. Well, gratefulness doesn't grow up in your heart naturally either. If you want to become a man or a woman or a, a child of gratefulness and, and that you live your life in a grateful fashion, you're not just going to wake up one day and all of a sudden be grateful. It's going to take work. You're going to have to be sure that you're putting the right things in. You're going to have to make sure that you are constantly evaluating the nature of your heart and the nature of who you are and asking God to change you and to help you to be a grateful person because our natural state is to be weed-filled and ungrateful in our hearts. So I want us to talk today about a story in the Old Testament. If you've got your Bibles uh, you can turn to the book of 1 Samuel, and uh, 1 Samuel's kind of at the beginning of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, and it's towards the front there. And uh, turn to 1 Samuel, and if you don't have your Bibles, we'll, we'll put all the scripture you need on the screen. But those of you that have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel and just open it up to the first page, chapter 1, is where we're going to start talking. And I want to tell you part of this story. This is a story about a woman 
named Hannah. Now, Hannah uh, was married to a guy named Elkanah. And Elkanah had more than one wife, right? Now, here's the deal. When you read in the Old Testament, there's lots of people that had more than one wife. And some people who don't know, who haven't studied the Bible, they think, oh, see, the Bible says it's okay for you to have more than one wife because Elkanah had two wives. Let me tell you something. If you read the Old Testament, every story where a guy had more than one wife, things did not work out well, all right? And, and, it's, and it's not because of the wives, necessarily, but things just did not work out well. And here's another story that, that tells that same thing because Elkanah had two wives. He had Hannah, and then he had another wife named Penina. Now, here was the thing. Penina could have babies. She had had babies. For whatever reason, Hannah was unable to have children. Now, this was a bad deal in that time of the world anyway. A woman who couldn't have children felt useless and worthless, felt like God didn't love her. And so it was a very serious thing for Hannah spiritually that she had not have babies. But to make it worse, and this is where having two wives kind of, you know, throws things off a little bit. To make it worse, Panana would like trash talk Hannah and stuff about her not being able to have a baby. The scripture doesn't use the word trash talk, but it says that she would, she would just, you know, give her a hard time about it all the time. And I don't know what kind of things she said to her, but whatever she said to her it was so bad that the scripture tells us that Hannah would get so depressed and sad over it and that she would not even eat at times because she so desperately wanted to have a child and she had this woman living in her house, sleeping with her husband, and it was making fun of her because she couldn't have babies. So it was, a, it was a bad situation. And so I want you to look at what happens. Uh, look, look at verses, uh, 1 Samuel 1, start in verse 12, and I'm going to read 12 through 14, because what happens is Hannah goes to the temple to pray about this situation. And this is what it says. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Now, Eli was the priest, okay? So he's at the temple. There's all kind of people showing up. They're, they're, they're making sacrifices and praying about things. And, uh, and it says, Eli observed Hannah's mouth as she was praying. In verse 13, it says this. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. So he has this woman show up, and she's so desperate, and she's praying, and she's just sitting there on her knees, her mouth's moving, she's not saying anything, and he thinks... Man, this woman's already, you know, had a six-pack before she came to church this morning. And so he's telling her, hey, quit being old drunk and, and get your life together and listen to how she responds to him in verse 15. She says this, Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. So she comes in and the thing she wants more than anything is to have a baby. And she's been praying and asking God for a baby. And Eli says, okay, it's going to happen. You're going to have a baby. And then if you skip on down to verse 20 of 1 Samuel, it says there, so in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. 
Now, there's all kind of stuff that we can learn about being grateful from this scripture, and we're going to read the, the continuing part of the story in a minute. But one of the first things I think we can learn about being grateful as we read this story is this. Gratefulness grows out of knowing and trusting who the giver is. Gratefulness grows out of knowing and trusting who the giver is. I love in verse 20 there, I'm going to read you the last part of it again, where, where after the baby is born, she finally has this baby, she names him Samuel, and then she says, because I asked the Lord for him. See, Hannah understood. Hannah knew that the only reason she had a baby was because God chose to bless her with a baby. It wasn't because her and Elkanah had some kind of fertility thing that they had going on and took the right kind of vitamin or whatever was happening. She knew I could not have a baby. I earnestly prayed, bitterly asked the Lord for this child. God gave me a promise through this priest named Eli, and now I've got a baby boy named Samuel, and I know it's because it came directly from the hand of God. I know who gave it to me. And see, when we get to the point where we can know, where we can understand that everything that we have has come from the hand of God, that it wasn't because we were so clever that we could come up with it or that we were just working so hard that we did it all on our own. If we can get to the point where we know everything we own, every relationship we have, everything good in our life has come directly from the hand of God, when we get to that point, then we will truly begin to understand what it means to be grateful. Then gratefulness will begin to grow in our heart when we know who God is. Now let me tell you why I think one of the reasons why Hannah was so aware of this fact. That is because she had struggled with this. It was something that she struggled for and struggled with for a long period of time. Look at 1 Samuel verse 10, 1 Samuel 1, 10, when it talks about the, this, when it first starts telling this story. It says this, it says, In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. In bitterness of soul. This was not just a, her asking for a son was not just something that she would pray about every now and then and just, oh, oh, by the way, yeah, I, I still would like to have a baby, God. And if you don't find a time to do it, that's okay, I'm cool with it. I'm really good being a mom without any kids. No, this was something that it was daily. It was day after day. Who knows how many trips she had taken to the temple with her husband and with her husband's other wife and that she had gotten down in front of the altar and begged and prayed to God, begging for a child. This was something it says she did out of bitterness and soul. And you know as well as I do that when there are things that you struggle with, when there are things that you struggle to overcome, when there are things that you struggle and, and, and be desperately beg God for, that when those things finally come your way, you are more grateful for that than you were ever grateful for something that came your way easily. That's just the way it is. And so Hannah, when, when Samuel was finally born, it was so natural for her to say, this came from God's hand because she had struggled with it. It wasn't something that she just could pop out a baby every nine months. This was something that she had, did, for years and years, begged God to give her. When, uh, when I was in school, I made a grade that I was extremely proud of in a class. And when I tell you what the grade is, you're going to say, Cliff, you're stupid for being proud of that. But, but in my college algebra class, I made a strong D in that class and passed it for the year. And I was just as proud of that D as I had ever been proud of any grade in my life. And here's why. Because 
I'm an idiot when it comes to math, okay? And I struggled my whole life with math. You ask, you ask my mama, all right? Well, the next time my mama comes here, you say, is Cliff really in du- as dumb at math as he says he is? And she'll say, he's dumber than he's telling you that he was, right? Because whatever, I, I can remember in third grade when they introduced multiplication tables. It just rocked my world, you know? And then, and then they had fractions, and that threw me for a loop. And then decimals came in there. I mean, whatever it was that was new, it was, you know, having to get tutors and the whole deal. And then algebra came along. And they're putting alphabet and numbers together, and I was totally messed up. And in fact, I was so bad in algebra, and I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is not one of these preacher stories that, you know, that people make up to try to make a point. This is the truth. When I was in the ninth grade, I took the, the first semester exam in algebra, and I made so bad that my teacher felt sorry for me, right? And she said, I want you to take it again because I don't think you're that dumb. That's not what she said, but that's what she meant. And so... So I go back and I retake the test, and I raised my grade on the retake by 20 points. Isn't that awesome? I raised it to a 50, right? I had made a 30 the first time, and I worked hard. I worked with a tutor, and when I retook it, I made a 50. So I was still way below failing even when I retook it. So when I get to college, you know, I, I'm thinking, and, you know, and what I was measuring in, you just had to have one credit of math, and I thought, I'm never going to graduate, Right? And I had this teacher named Miss Stewart, and, and to this day, I owe Miss Stewart my diploma from college because I went in her class, and I worked hard, and I did that all that I could. And I'll never forget, Sherry was with me the day we went and checked my grade, and we were dating, and we went to check it, and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be summer school. And I go up, and I look down, you know, find my Social Security number, and go beside it, and there was a D, and I was just as happy as I could be. Now, why was I grateful for a D? Because I had struggled, Right? I had struggled with algebra my whole life, and finally I knew this is it. I don't have to do any more math for the rest of my life, right? And, uh, and so it was awesome because I would struggled with it. And, and that's a silly story, but it's true in our lives. Whatever it is that we struggle with, those things that we just have a hard time figuring out how it works and, and don't think that God's ever going to answer our prayer and all those things go on in our lives, when they finally come, those are the things that we can be most grateful for. So what do you do? When you're in the midst of the struggle, what do you do when you, when you hadn't gotten the D in algebra yet, right? And you think you're going to fail. What do you do when you're like Hannah and, and you don't think God's ever going to bless you with a baby? Well, when you're in the midst of the struggle, it, it's going to be easy to give in to hopelessness. It's easy to allow that to turn into to ungratefulness and to think nobody ever does anything for me and God's forgotten about me and just to turn your back on all of that stuff and it's so easy for that to happen. But when we can get to the point to where we understand that gratefulness comes out of knowing who God is, but not just knowing who God is, but also trusting who He is. And even when you're in the midst of the struggle, if you can say, God, I don't understand your ways. I don't understand what you've got for me, but I trust you that you're going to give me maybe not what I want, but you're going to give me what you want for me And you're going to give me what you want for me at the time you want me to have it, not before. And God, I trust you enough that I trust that what you want for me and the time you want for me to have it is the best plan for my life. And if we can ever get to the point where we're in the midst of the struggle to say, God, I trust your way more than my way, then we will begin to move towards true gratefulness. And we can be grateful in all things. See, when we're in the struggle... It's hard to trust, but it's essential that we do. 
It's going to be hard to trust when you're in that struggle, but it's essential that you continue to trust because God hasn't forgotten about you. God's the giver. He's the one who who can answer whatever it is that you think you need. He can answer that prayer, and and he can do that for you, and we've got to continue to trust him. I love in this story, look at at 1 Samuel 1, 17 and 18, where it talks about when Eli made her this promise. Look what it says in verse 17. It says, Eli answered, Go in peace, may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. And look at her response. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Now, did she have a baby yet? Not yet. She wasn't even expecting a baby yet. But she got a promise. And the promise was enough for her to no longer be bitter in her soul about this. The promise was enough for her that even though she still didn't have what she wanted, the promise was enough where it says her face was no longer downcast. She went away from that day not having what she wanted, but she went away from that day saying, even though I'm still in the midst of the struggle, I know who God is and I'm going to trust who God is and I'm not going to be bitter in my soul about this any longer. My face, her, her face was no longer downcast. So let me say to you today, I don't know if you're in the midst of a struggle or not. If you're not in the midst of a struggle now, chances are one day you will be because life brings us junk that we have to struggle through. But wherever you are in that, if you're in it now, we're going to be in it one day. Part of the thing that we have to remember while we're in the struggle is is we've got to remember the promises of God because it said, that's, what, that's what helped Hannah to be able to lift her face is that a, God gave her a promise through the voice of Eli. Now, she didn't have what she wanted, but she got a promise. And when you're in the midst of the struggle, remember the promises that are found in the Bible. And the Bible is full of promises for you. And and you can get in there and you can read them and read those for yourself. But some of the promises in the Bible is when it says that God tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us. No matter what happens, no matter what we do, he will never leave us or forsake us. There's another promise that says nothing can separate you from the the, uh, love of Christ. Nothing can separate you. If you're sick, if you're bankrupt, if you're addicted, none of that stuff can separate you from the love of Christ. There's another promise where God says that once you're in his hand, no one can snatch you out of his hand. That's an amazing promise. And then one of the best promises there is, it says that if we ask God to forgive us, that he will take our sins and put them as far away from us as the east is from the west. Now those are promises God has made us. And if we're in the midst of a struggle... No matter if we've gotten what we want yet or if we're never going to get what we want, if we're in the midst of a struggle, we've got to hold on to those promises, to the promises God has made us, just like Hannah left that day holding on to the promise Eli had made her. And if we can get to the point where we know who God is and we trust who God is, then gratefulness will begin to grow up in our heart. Now, the second part of this story that teaches us something amazing about gratefulness Uh, we're going to read in just a second, but here's the second thing we can learn. It says this, the result of true gratefulness is giving back to God. The result of true gratefulness is giving back to God. So we read in verse 20 a while ago, Hannah finally got what she wanted, right? She got a boy, baby boy, named him Samuel. Everything was awesome. Her struggle for all those years was over with. She didn't have to listen to any more junk talk from Panana, the woman living in her house, right? And she could say, hey, I got a baby too, bring it on, you know, whatever. I don't know what they were, how they, how they did that. But, but you know, everything was, 
Everything was great. You know, had the baby that she wanted. Her life was exactly the way she had always dreamed it could be. So what do you do next? What does a woman do next who finally, after years of struggle, gets what she wanted? What would, what would you think the next thing she would do is? Well, look at 1 Samuel 1, 21 and 22. It says this, When the man Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, now check this out, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do you hear what she's saying here? After the boy is weaned, I will take him to the temple, and he will live there always. She just got what she always wanted. She had dreamed about having a baby. And not only did she have a baby, back in those days, it was better to have a baby boy first. So God gave her not only a baby, but he gave her the right sex baby the first time she had one. And she has this baby boy named Samuel, and, and she says it's because God gave him, gave him to her. And she says, now that I've got him, I'm going to give him back. He will live there always. And the, I love the next part, what Elkanah says. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And as I read this story, I keep thinking, you know, I'm the kind of guy, and maybe you are too, sometimes I say stuff because I'm excited, and then later on I'm like, man, I wish I hadn't have kind of said that, right? And maybe, you know, when I read this, I thought maybe Hannah, you know, she just got all excited and said, hey, I'm going to give this baby back to God, and he's going to live at the temple the rest of his life. And then later on she thought, oh, I don't know if I really meant that, right? But look what it says in verse 24. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. Now here's the moment of truth. If she wants to back out, she can still do it. But in verse 28 it says this, So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. See, true gratefulness gives back. True gratefulness always, always, always gives back. You can talk about how grateful you are. You can talk about how God's blessed you. You can brag on it and all that kind of stuff. But true gratefulness is seen by your actions. True gratefulness is seen by whether or not you are willing to sacrifice for someone else. Whether or not you are willing to give back. And the amount that Hannah gave back blows me away. It would have, I think it would have been cool for her to say, hey, I know God gave me this baby, so I'm going to be sure that I take him for one week a year and let him stay at the temple and serve there. It's be like summer camp at the temple with Eli. And he can hang out there and shoot bows and arrows and clean out the temple, whatever you would do at temple summer camp, right? He could do that. That would seem like it would be enough, but not for Hannah. Because Hannah understood that everything she had, that this boy directly came from the hand of God, and she said, I've got to give him back. I love this baby. 
but I don't love this baby as much as God loves this baby, and it's his baby to do with what he wants, and I'm going to give Samuel back to God. And in our lives, we've got to get to the point where we can realize that we're not truly grateful unless we're giving something back. If we're not giving something back, we're not truly grateful. We're still just being selfish and still just wanting more. And I don't know about you, but, but I don't do sacrifice real well. Most of us don't do sacrifice real well, do we? I mean, God, God has given us everything we have. God has blessed us enough to live in a country where we can make more money than other people in other parts of the world have, will never even see in their entire lives. We'll make more money this year than those people will see their entire lives. And God says to us, hey, I want you to give me 10% of that back. And we say, what in the world, 10%? That only leaves me 90%. You are so wrong, God, to make me do that. Isn't that the way we react sometimes? But what is true gratefulness all about? It's about giving back. And it's not just about giving back money. It's about giving back our time. And it's about giving up our status. And it's about giving up all those things that we think are so important. But true gratefulness is about sacrifice. And it's about giving back to God. And when we realize that that's what we're supposed to do, when we realize that, that God has blessed us so much that it's just a natural part of who we are to give back, then we'll know that we are truly grateful for what he's done for us see it was just a natural outgrowth of who hannah had become she wanted that baby she struggled for that baby but it was a natural decision for her to say now god i give this baby back to you if you look at chapter two of of uh, the first part of chapter two of, of first samuel two one through ten that's a, a prayer that hannah prayed after she gave back her baby that she struggled with. And, and I love that whole prayer, but I want to read to you verses 6 through 9. If, so if you've got your Bibles, just look over on the next page. If not, look on the screen. Verses 6 through 9. This is a woman who really understood who gave her what she had and what her response should be. It says this, The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. There's a, a popular song in, that people sing in churches. It's based on a, a psalm that says that God gives and he takes away. He gives and takes away. And that's exactly what God does. Anything you've got, it didn't come because you were so smart and so clever. It came because God said, I want you to have this. And our natural response should be now to say, God, you gave me this. What do you want me to do with it? God, you gave me this car. How do you want me to serve you with it? God, you gave me this house. How do you want me to serve you with it? God, you gave me these kids. How do you want me to serve you with the life of my kids? How should I train them to serve you? God, you gave me everything good that I have. It's really yours. It's not mine. I know you're just allowing me to hold it and use it for a little while. How now can I serve you with what you've given me? And when we get to that point, you're going to find out that even as you give away, you're more and more grateful. That, that, that you cannot 
give away so much that you become ungrateful. In fact, it's just one of those things where, oh, I give this and I'm a little grateful and I give this and I'm even more grateful. And suddenly you find yourself, the more you sacrifice, the more grateful you are for what, give, what God gives you. And God will continue to give you things, not because so that you can be rich, but so that you can continue to serve him with it. And you'll be more and more grateful as you do that. And so living the life of gratefulness is when we begin to understand that everything in this world, in this earth is sustained by him. Your next breath is sustained by him. Your heart continues to beat because your heart is in his hand. Everything is sustained by him. And he wants to bless you so that you can give back to somebody else. So I want to encourage you today, whether you are here for the first time or whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus that's that knows more about the Bible than I'll ever uh, be able to know. I want to encourage you today to acknowledge who God is, that He's the true giver, and to trust Him, and to trust Him enough that you are willing to sacrifice so that you can live a life of gratefulness. I'm going to say a prayer, and our band's going to come up here, and we're going to close up with a song. And as I do this, as I pray, I just want you to, uh, to remember... That, that, uh, that God has blessed you more than you could ever, more than you could ever hope to be blessed. And, and he's going to continue to do that. And uh, as, as the band comes and, and uh, we do this closing song, uh, we're going to take up the offering while this closing song's being sung. And uh, so you drop something in that bucket as it comes by, as God leads you to. And, uh, and I'm just going to pray that God would bless not only what's given, but he will bless the hearts of everybody who gives. And so let's ask uh, the, the Lord to do that together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for showing us what it truly means to be grateful. And God, for giving us so much to be grateful for. And, and Lord, right now, even as we give back just part of what you've blessed us with, I pray that true gratefulness would grow in our hearts that we would understand that next week as we celebrate Thanksgiving, that we have so much to be thankful for. We have things to be thankful for, Lord, that we take for granted every day, but we know they came from you. And thank you most of all, Father, for providing a way for us to be forgiven of sin. Thank you most of all for sending your perfect son to die in an imperfect world for imperfect people. And it's because of his sacrifice that we can even get up in the morning and go throughout our day. It's because of his sacrifice that we are gathered here. And thank you so much for sending him for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.